0: Welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Jake Cheverelli, and this evening, tonight, uh, my co-host is Cryptalissa. John is out on vacation and we hope to see him back probably in two weeks, so I guess I should say hello to my co-host, Cryptalissa, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm grateful to be able to do the show tonight again and for the next two weeks as I'll be hosting, as I said. Um, we've been trying to do a little bit more uh, updating with the audio and changing how things work, so it seems a little bit different than they were. I apologize in advance. So let's get on to CoinGecko and the top 10 daily stats. All right, here we go. Uh, as you guys probably have noticed in the news, the uh, the, the market is really up. <laughs> I'm going to hit the refresh here because it always changes moment to moment. Bitcoin, being in the first top position, as it almost always is, and as far as I know, always has been, is currently at $47,167.68, a 10% 10 gain over the last week and a $896.1 billion market cap. We are nearing in a trillion dollars again for the primary coin. Ethereum is in second place, so at 3403.27, and a 12.4% seven-day gain at $409.4 billion. Tether, or USDT, is in third position. It is a stable coin, so it doesn't really fluctuate much, and its current market cap is $81.8 billion. Binance Coin, or BNB, is currently at 445.09, a 9.2% seven-day gain, and a 74.8. billion. 5 billion, pardon, billion dollar market cap. USD coin is right behind there at fifth position. It is currently, of course, $1 because it is a stable coin, and its market cap value is $51.8 billion. A whole lot of activity, you can see there at the tail end. Uh, XRP, or Ripple, is in sixth position. It's currently at 86 uh, cents, or 86.2 cents, or, well, dollars, $.86, 0.86 dollars $.86 a 3% seven-day gain and a $41.5 billion market cap. Solana is in seventh position and at 121.67, a 28.2% seven-day gain, the largest in the top 10, and a $39.6 billion market cap. But Cardano is right behind Solana there, just barely, a little over a billion dollars behind. I know that sounds like a lot of money to you and I, but you know, in this market it's not. But it's currently $1.20 and 8.4% seven day gain at a $38.3 billion market cap. Terra is in ninth position, or Luna is 106.88 and a seven day gain of 12.5%, also very high there, double digits like Ethereum and also Bitcoin. Uh, but its current market cap is 379 so it's also very close on the heels of Cardano. And then in 10th position we have Avalanche, currently at 99.70, a 15.9% yet another double digit, seven day gain, and $26.7 billion market cap. And to round out the top 15, we've got Polkadot, Dogecoin, and then two stable coins, Binance USD and Terra USD, followed by, in 15th position, Shiba Inu. And all these coins are above the $15 billion market cap mark. Uh, but as you can see there, with the exception of Polkadot, which is much closer to Avalanche, uh, Doge and the other four are kind of about five billion plus behind. So uh, that wraps up the top ten, but we do have to talk about um, the total market cap. Currently, about one and a half percent up over the last 24 hours to 2.6 trillion U.S. dollars. Bitcoin still worth a Bitcoin. And if you have not already collected your candies on CoinGecko, we highly recommend that you do that. You can collect them every single day and get uh, progressively more coins as long as you rem- remember to do it every single day. And then you can get things like uh, books about, such as this one, how to NFT, uh, discounts on certain features, all kinds of things like VPNs, coin trackers. And then every now and then, CoinGecko will throw out a, uh, an NFT of their own that you can collect, like this candy collector's NFT badge. So make sure to collect your candies every single day. I also want to mention that the current Bitcoin dominance has dropped slightly below 40% to 30, 39.7. And Ethereum, who's you know, the second coin there, is at 18.1%. It's up a little bit over the last time we mentioned these numbers. Also, Gwei has gone down quite a bit. So let me just get over to the uh, thank you for watching part of this uh, podcast we appreciate everybody who watches us and uh, if you'd like to show your appreciation you can click on the like button if you're watching us on youtube and any other way of saying that you appreciate our content uh through things like anchor uh we post every wednesday and sunday this podcast and if you're watching us youtube you can hit the notification bell to be notified when we post It tends to be a little bit in the evening for uh, wednesdays today is wednesday and sundays it tends to be in the early after or mid-afternoon you can also check us out on Discord, where there's a lot of conversation going on on a regular basis. You can also talk to us, uh, and Lissa, Mike, and uh, John, my, including myself, through uh, Discord if you'd like to participate. There's lots of stuff being talked about, and you can always go in and collect your C3 Media tokens. You can also uh, can help us out and contribute through Patreon. There's three different levels of uh, con- contribution, as well as uh, contributing directly. If you'd like to help us out, of course, with the show through Binance, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Bat, there's a bunch of B words in there, as well as Raven. We appreciate your contributions and you watching and engaging with our show. Thanks so much for doing that. Let's get on to the news. We have lots of news here, and Ulyssa will lead off with the news about Wisdom Tree.
1: Yes, and before I do that, I just wanted to say that I think it is officially altcoin season, and this is why. Uh, Zilekia, or Z-I-L on Binance US, was literally up 105% about 30 minutes ago.
0: Oh, wow, It was nuts. Altcoin season, it is. There are so many altcoins. I love to talk about this (laughs) as just the podcast, but there are so many amazing altcoins out there. I know I'm a huge fan of altcoins. Um so but we're not going to talk about that right now but thank you for making that plug for for no. Zill QA. <laughs> so
1: yeah. Um so with that being said, we will start out with Wisdom Tree launches three new crypto ETPs tracking Solana, Cardano and Polkadot and this is written by Mandy Williams. And for those of you that don't know what ETPs are, they are exchange traded products. So Wisdom Tree, a New York based exchange trade fund sponsor and asset management firm, announced this week the launch of three new crypto ETPs. They will track the performance of Solana, Cardano, and Polkadot.
0: Exactly. That's what the Girls. dog says.
1: <laughs> I know. I've, I've got yappers, guys. They're half pug, half chihuahua and they're barking at a cat, No, so mm-hmm. don't mind them. <laughs> According to the official announcement, the new ETPs, dubbed Wisdom Tree Solana, Wisdom Tree Cardano, and Wisdom Tree Polkadot, will give investors exposure to the prices of underlying crypto assets. In addition, the three ETPs have the potential to offer staking rewards to investors. Uh, so Lana or Sol W, ADAW, and dot W are already trading on Borse Extra in Germany yeah. and six in Switzerland. Wisdom Tree also plans to list the three ETPs on Euronext exchanges in Paris and Amsterdam by the end of March 2022. Too. The firm also noted that investors can access the digital assets through its diversified crypto basket ETPs, Wisdom Tree's crypto market, and Wisdom Tree crypto altcoins. Wisdom Tree has now launched a total of eight crypto products. These include Wisdom Tree Bitcoin, Wisdom Tree Ethereum, Wisdom Tree Crypto Altcoins, Wisdom Tree Crypto Market, and Wisdom Tree Crypto Mega Cap Equal Weight ETPs. So that was a t- mouthful.
0: Yeah, every single time she says uh, Wisdom Tree, make sure to take a shot. <laughs> 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 You'll be drunk before the end of the episode. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jason Guthrie, Head of Digital Assets, Europe, Wisdom Tree noted that the ETPs will help drive institutional adoption of cryptocurrencies. As such, the firm will continue to expand its product offerings to make it easier for investors to gain crypto exposure. Quote, we want to provide investors with a range of crypto asset exposures, whether that be through diversified baskets or single trackers. A key component to our approach is launching strategies which will resonate with institutional investors. These need to be crypto assets which are liquid enough for institutional use, are supported by the ETP market participants, and have clear use cases." And this was Jason Guthrie. Crypto ETPs are becoming more and more popular, especially in Europe. Just last week, Fidelity International listed new Bitcoin ETPs on the six Swiss stock exchange. In February, the Swiss-based investment firm and issuer of crypto ETPs, 21 shares, listed three ETPs on Euronext in Paris and Amsterdam.
0: So, like the real cause or concept here of the ETP is the this exchanged traded product, as, as we noted in the beginning, is it makes it easier for people who don't own a crypto wallet to get into crypto in effect, uh, because they're trading at the same rates that the crypto itself trades. But uh, You know, it could just use US dollars or euros or whatever it is you want to buy that with. And then, of course, it does also to some degree protect you from the rise and fall of that original product. So a lot of people are very excited about the idea of having uh, exchange traded products available to them um, outside the typical ownership of Solana, Cardano, and Polkadot, as it were, with Bitcoin. So, yeah, just the... Kind of the ideal is kind of putting a little bit of a a wall between the dangers or risks rather of having of owning the actual Solana, Cardano, Polkadot, etc., etc., whatever there will be. And it kind of does tie the stock market in a sense to crypto. So, continuing on with the news, we have uh, Opera. Announces support for Solana Polygon, Stark X, and others. This article is written by Arun, uh, I cannot pronounce this guy's name correctly, uh, Srivastav, or Srivastav. In a major push to Web3 browsing experience, Opera will now support eight leading blockchain and Layer 2 networks, as well as some decentralized apps or DApps. These include Solana, Polygon, StarkX, Ronin, Cello, Nervos, and IXO. Opera users can access these networks and various features, including DeFi, through Opera's latest Web3 browsing and wallet solutions. Quote, from now on, users get access to the vast ecosystem of Polygon or Solana dApps or the benefits of Layer 2 DeFi via Starkware-powered Diversify they also they can also tend to their axes, that is, <laughs> um, Axie infinities, by accessing Ronin. The company said in a blog post on its site. By bringing Polygon and Starkex onto its platform, Opera helps its users benefit from lower gas fees and faster transactions. Integrations of various blockchain and layer two networks operate uh, networks allow Opera to quote remain chain agnostic end quote and help it. Quote, onboard millions of users, end quote, seamlessly to Web3. Another quote here. Ever since we started in Web3 space, 2018, we've been sealing partnerships with the most popular and cutting edge blockchains and Web3 domain name providers, end quote. The blog quoted Jorgen Arneson, the EVP mobile at Opera, as saying, Opera's crypto browser project for mobile and desktop was shipped in mid January 2022, called crypto browser project It sounds like it's named what it is its features include built-in dApp support and non-custodial crypto wallet promising a web 3 browsing experience the beta version of the crypto browser project is a precursor to the quote next generation of the web end quote and uh, yet another quote here the crypto browser project provides the ultimate all-in-one Fully dedicated Web3 browsing experience. Julian Snyder, oh man, I'm going to butcher this. I apologize. Uh, Sen Zen global communications lead, Opera said in her blog. Blog, pardon me. Yeah, my mouth is all messed up from pronouncing weird names. Opera has been priding itself as the world's first native Web3 browser with built-in crypto wallet since 2018 when it introduced these features as part of its browsing experience. In a move to remove low speed and high gas fee bottlenecks in DeFi functions, Opera integrated Starkware powered Diversify last month. The The browser's support for Polygon and Diversify, formally announced today, has been a work in progress for the past few months. Meanwhile, the race to win a major share of the emerging Web3 has witnessed an incessant flow inflow of funds into the space. Former A16Z partner Kate Kitty Hahn was in the news last week for raising 1.5 billion dollars, the largest by a solo female founding partner so far, to invest in crypto and Web3 projects. Similarly, Yuga Labs, the company behind the Board Ape Yacht Club or BAYC, Raised $450 million last week to invest in the Metaverse and Web3 projects. So, it's, it, I personally don't use Opera a whole lot, probably not as much as I should. I do, as you can probably tell just from what we're doing here, literally use (laughs) the Brave browser on a regular basis, which does actually have its own wallet built in, not just MetaMask. And, uh, so it's good to see opera using that opera is based off of chrome so it could be familiar to those who use chrome already um i hear dog noises is that just me um <laughs> um so the uh i guess he's maybe he's just agreeing with me i'll, I'll let him agree with me uh <laughs> the uh yeah so opera's <laughs> utilization here of this wallet functionality and adding all other uh access tools is really kind of a a a boon to the new user because Opera is a browser that a lot of people can use and or do use and uh, is also introducing people to the idea of what crypto can be and the future functionality therein like DeFi and Layer 2 functionality. So it's kind of neat to see uh, them delving into that and of course announcing it so people will know. Um, So I'm, I'm grateful. Continuing on with OpenSea reveals the Solana integration date.
1: Yes, so this is written by Dimitar Zanzaroff, the leading digital marketplace for non-fungible tokens, OpenSea announced it will start listing NFTs minted on the Solana blockchain. The development will see the light of day in April. OpenSea disclosed the news in a recent post on Twitter. The video dubbed the best-kept secret in Web3, Shows enthusiastic users who believe Solana's integration will be huge. Others think that the endeavor is a smart move by which the marketplace will catch the blockchains, the catch the blockchain protocol protocols praise. And there is a video of the Twitter. Um, A video from OpenSea on Twitter. The video failed to mention the exact date of the integration. However, OpenSea revealed this will happen in April of 2022. Once completed, Solana will become the third layer one and fourth blockchain network whose NFTs can trade on OpenSea. The previous three being Ethereum, Polygon and Clayton. Clayton? Yes, Clayton. The first yeah, Clayton, I've never heard of that. <laughs> the first rumors about such a move appeared at the beginning of the year. Back then, the tech blogger and app researcher Jane Man Manchun Wang tweeted that OpenSea is working towards Solana integration and Phantom digital wallet support. And you can see that tweet in there as well. When it comes to minting non-fungible tokens, Solana is among the main network the main networks artists prefer. In recent months, the protocol has become a significant competitor to the leader Ethereum. I wonder why. Huh. Despite falling behind in terms of sale volume, Solana has some advantages over Thrival. It uses a consensus mechanism called proof of history, which enables it to execute transactions with high uh, throughput. Th- throughput. More, yeah, throughput, sorry. No. Throughput. More than 60,000 transactions per second. In comparison, Ethereum can currently process up to 15 TPSs for now. Minting NFTs on the Solana network is also cheaper. The gas fees are lower than Ethereum's, making the blockchain protocol environmentally friendly.
0: Yeah, well, Solana is entirely proof of stake, so it's not really... Of course, Ethereum will be very soon, like literally, but it'll be, it'll be a big event when Ethereum moves all, all the way over to version 2.0. But yeah, uh, Solana is a great tool. Now, I will make one caveat to this. Solana is not decentralized. It is very centralized because it is very highly backed by people with a whole crap ton of money. So even though it is effectively an Ethereum killer, at least that's what it's intended to do, um, it's not really what Ethereum set out to do originally. So, it's awesome to see, you know, 60,000 transactions per second, very helpful, um, compared to Ethereum's ridiculously tiny 15, um, and of course it's even worse for Bitcoin. Um, But there are layer 2 solutions, Arbitrum's one of them, and uh, those are roll-up solutions where you, you know, do a bunch of transactions, roll them up and stick them on the blockchain. And those things do help, because they're layer 2 and they work very well. Uh, But most people don't use those techniques necessarily to do transactions the other thing i was going to note is that ethereum itself currently is some three was it six seven seventeen terabytes you want to download the whole ethereum blockchain you better have a gargantuan storage space i mean there are 20 terabyte hard drives out there but (laughs) oh oh my goodness um that i mean bitcoin's not even nearly
1: 17 terabytes (laughs) yep 17 that's last i heard
0: yeah it's ridiculously hard to store in the entire chain because there's just so much stuff, stuff attached to it. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think the largest after that is is Bitcoin at three hundred and thirty gigabytes. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and that's ironic because Bitcoin was first, right? It's been around a lot longer than Ethereum. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, the uh, it's good to see. Uh, I'm I'm actually quite interested to see the uh, NFT activity on OpenSea with Solana. Uh, and, and then other things. I mean, Polygon's already there. Polygon's a great way of trading. If you want to trade Ethereum, use, use Polygon, um, particularly for NFTs, because it's so much cheaper than, I mean, especially since we're talking about smart contracts. If you're just trying to send Ethereum from one wallet to another, that doesn't cost very much, and it's pretty quick. If you're trying to trade a smart contract on Ethereum, you'd be hard-pressed to get less than $100. So um, this is the one thing that John and I were talking about, I think, a couple of weeks ago was... He was really excited to use start using the Polygon chain to do j- games like um, Ethermon because now Polygon supports it, and now you can actually play Ethermon without basically you know spending a hundred dollars per transaction. <laughs> so um, yeah, Polygon makes Ethermon playable again. Of course, there's plenty of other <laughs> chains you can make. There's there's actually Infinity, of course, one. one, um, but um, um, crypto. Uh, Total Mayhem, or Crypto Toads is coming out pretty soon on Dynamo, which when it comes down to the cost of actually playing the game, uh, it's negligible. I mean, you could literally, every single move, every single upgrade, every single uh, you know modification, everything you do, including trading toads, you won't even notice the price. You honestly wouldn't even know you were paying anything. So um, it's kind of, this is the one of the things I was thinking, I'm not trying to stray too much from this, this, you know, OpenSea uh, integration here, but, to try to talk about the, the concept of what the advantages Solana offers is the speed and the, and the cost. Um, it would be neat to see somebody use a smart contract on Dogecoin because Dogecoin is stupidly popular, even though it's pretty much useless. (laughs) Um, but if somebody (laughs) made a fun smart contract, you know, game on Doge, like, you know, like a Doge game that like basically use different version of dogs to do the same thing that you do with Axie Infinity or or, uh, Ethermon, I think people would play it. So, um, I have heard that, you know, smart contract stuff is going to happen on Doge, but I don't know if it's happened yet. So, we'll see. Continuing on with the news, Sky Mavis, uh, Chief uh, Operations Officer, or COO, vows to compensate victims in the $600 million Ronin hack. Oof, that really hurts. (laughs) Andrew Thovalas writes... Sky Mavis, the company behind the popular blockchain game Axie Infinity, which I mentioned earlier, has proposed to reimburse victims after the $625 million in crypto was stolen from its underlying blockchain Ronin. Yet, yet, from yesterday, the Ronin network suffered its largest DeFi attack in the history of crypto, and I'm sure someone will try to beat it, with over $624 million in ether, Ether and USDC being drained from a critical blockchain bridge blockchain bridge allows holders of the assets on the blockchain to swap out their tokens for equivalent assets on other chains. Example, swapping ETH on Ethereum for wrapped ETH on Ronin. Unfortunately, they create massive honeypots for hackers to target in an otherwise decentralized ecosystem. In fact, Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin has written at length about why the future of crypto may be multi-chain, but not cross-chain due to the security vulnerability of these bridges. Quote, we are fully committed to reimbursing our players as soon as possible, which could be never, said Alexander Le- Leonard uh, Larson, the chief operating officer at SkyMavis, to Bloomberg via text message. We're still working on a solution that is an ongoing discussion. I'm sure it is. The hacker gained access to the funds by compromising the private keys of a major of a majority of Ronin's nine validary nodes, according to Larson. Many of the funds stolen from the bridge belong to Axie players and include Axie Infinity's treasury revenue. A whopping 56,000 ETH, or 192,192,000 at the current price, In stolen funds belong to the treasury, almost a third of the total. As of now, Larson said that None of the ETH or USDC on Ronin is backed by anything. (laughs) Ouch. Axie Infinity is one of the largest play-to-earn games on the market right now where players earn Axie Infinity Shards, or AXS, in the game and can be traded on open markets. It resembles Pokemon. It's the same kind of concept, as Ethermon, allowing players to battle and trade with their monsters called Axies. Sam Perifoy, the leader of Axie Infinity's Capital DAO, suggested that the company could sell some of its equity to raise the required funds for reimbursement. They could also sell some of their AXX tokens in bulk to the game's major players at a, a discount rate, or liquidate funds from its $1.6 billion community treasury. So it does have some cash. That's good, good to see. However, Rishab arrive, the leading investigator for blockchain analyst Merkle Science, claims that the chance of recovery from this hack is low. Quote, When we look at the biggest crypto hacks and heists out there, it's very rare that the funds get returned. Quote, end quote, he said. A similar hack took place last month when Solana to Ethereum Bridge called the Wormhole was drained for over $300 million in ETH. However, the team has since claimed to recover all the lost funds. After yesterday's hack, AXS was down 11% in price, Impressive. Meanwhile, Ronin's R-O-N token, Ron, tanked as much as 25% within 15 minutes and has yet to recover, unsurprisingly. Although I think the funniest thing, and I think, was it, was it you who told me about it or somebody else? I think it was you. Uh, maybe it was John, I can't remember. About uh, the person who, basically the hacker themselves or some other person decided to, to uh, short against Ethereum or against the... Oh, uh, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. And, they, yeah.
0: and because the hack wasn't discovered right away, they lost their money, anyways.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, um, I just feel bad because Axie Infinity, I feel, is like going to be one of those really big play to earn. But now I just feel like it's going to go into the toilet because now it's been shown, right, that they can get hacked. So well, they, I don't know. This article know explicitly
0: points out where the hack came from. <laughs> And so yeah. there's there's two problems. One is the bridging, right? That's the main problem. But the, two, the second problem really is just that Ethereum wasn't set up to support this. You know, if mm-hmm. Ethereum had had the transactions per second, like Solana does, like the previous article, and it had the the gas fee or gas transaction for smart contract more, more reasonable, and it was when Ethereum wasn't worth so much money, um, then... We wouldn't have this hack in the first place, so
1: exactly.
0: You know, I'm not saying Solana is the place to go necessarily, though is an example of where you can go. Um, Any chain that does this needs to be really on it, really aware of what can. And in fact, this is one of the things that I I guess the example would be of Google and or Apple. Even in that case, Um, paying hackers smaller sums of money than they could possibly steal to discover loopholes and hacks so that they can beef up the security. Because as much as a good company would like to say that they're got all the holes plugged, they don't. <laughs> they really don't, and this is why it happens. So, it's just that nefarious players aren't necessarily going to divulge the information because one, they may get called out as a pariah, and two, they won't make as much money. There are, some, there are some black hat hackers out there who are willing to Show the holes in the in the facade, and not all of them are. And since there's so much money involved here, I mean, come on, this is three quarter or two thirds of a billion dollars. I can see why they didn't say anything and just took the money because they
1: could. Yeah, that was like um, I think like a month ago. Uh, John and I were doing a podcast because I think you were on vacation yep. or doing something. I'm not too sure, but somebody had hacked. Uh, blockchain and then gave almost all of it back but yep. he kept a fourth for himself yep. like so he gave it back but then he kept his little like chunk yeah. right
0: yep. <laughs> yep. That's, that was his fee for finding the hole right so. right
1: right <laughs> yeah, but
0: this is one way of doing it like I said Google's uh, payment for bugs they call it their bug uh, hackathon thing that they would do they they paid pretty handsomely and there was one guy who was really good at finding uh, bugs And he made several million dollars off Google just by reporting their bugs to them. So I think that blockchain companies should absolutely put those uh, finder's fees out there to keep this from happening. It would be better to say, hey, we'll give you, you know, five million dollars to find a hole if you show us the hole so that this doesn't happen to us. Because a five million dollar fee is a lot better than a six hundred million dollar (laughs) fee. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i'd much rather give somebody five cents than six dollars so yeah <laughs> I,
1: exactly uh, with that being said moving on to our next one written by andrew uh thorvalas cardano sees 50x increase in large transactions in 2022 into the block. A blockchain intelligence firm has reported a surge in interest for Cardano among institutional buyers. It cites a parabolic 50x increase in the cryptocurrency's untrained transactions worth over $100,000 in 2022 alone. As tweeted by the firm yesterday, over 69 billion ADA were moved as part of such large transactions just yesterday. They represented over 99% of the total on-chain volume for Cardano. That's compared to just 1.35 billion ADA in trading volume on January 1st, representing a 51-fold increase since. This is one of the highest volume levels ADA has seen since mid 2018. The cryptocurrency's volume is still reportedly around 1.4 billion according to exchange data, providing more evidence that these transactions are happening OTC. ADA's price has also benefited strongly following the recent crypto market surge up 20.7% versus Bitcoin's 11%. Furthermore, total addresses on Cardano have expanded from 3.5 million to 5 million since the start of the year. Meanwhile, other coins like Shiba Inu are seeing a decline in addresses holding a balance. That said, Other metrics, like average transaction size, remain stagnant, alongside Cardano's popularity in DeFi. While the 300 million locked in its DeFi protocols is up massively, since the start of the year, it is still dwarfed by Ethereum's current $126 billion. Charles Hoskinson, co-founder of Cardano, says that many more DeFi protocols will come to the network after a hard fork this year. On Monday, he spoke about the importance of maintaining coordination and decentralization in crypto during Binance Blockchain Week in Dubai. Quote, there are two paths before us, he said, citing one path of integrity, and decentralization, as opposed to another of high centralization and custodians.
0: Yep, that is the problem that we can definitely see coming up, and that's what we're seeing already with Solana. That's the secondary, the latter, the high centralization and custodians. So, it's important to be, to pay attention and be be wary, as he's mo- making note of this. So, um. I don't really want to leave this hanging. Do you have anything to say about that, or we should just move on?
1: No, okay. I don't. Moving. On. I mean, I think it's cool that Cardano is like coming up in the world, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just. No, it's, find it's good.
0: I know I've it, actually several friends who yeah. invested pretty heavily in Cardano and were really disappointed when it dropped a lot. So, if it could return to even two dollars in value, I think what was the current Cardano pit price? Uh, back to CoinGecko real quick here. Buck 20. Yeah. I had a friend who bought in at a buck 80. and He's really looking forward to Cardano getting back to closer to $2. <laughs> yeah.
1: The, the percentage wise, it being up, it's so funny to see that it's like, oh, it's up 20%. And then it's like, okay. And then it says like Bitcoin's up 11, but I feel like the Bitcoin 11 is way more than the Cardano 20. Yeah.
0: Dollar wise, yes. Dollar wise, it's a gargantuan <laughs> yeah. size more because. Yeah, find so much more value. But, uh yeah, so continuing on here with the biggest ever hack. Well, we already talked about this. This guy made this, you know, was one of doing it. But let's just go in, in more into detail here Jordan line, Jeff. The biggest ever crypto hack. What happened in the Ronin bridge attack? The Ronin network a critical bridge chain that powers Axie Infinity was attacked, and this resulted in a 173,600 Ethereum, or 2.5 25.5 million or oh, pardon me and 25.5 million usdc equate, equating to roughly 600 million dollars since the breach occurred on march 23rd which was only a week ago stolen funds have flowed into ftx Hubei, uh, Hube, Hube, i can't pronounce that and crypto.com which have all vowed to take actions to trace the funds Binance said it had temporarily suspended withdrawals and uh, deposits on the ronin network Sky Mavis, the company behind Axie Infinity, said it would compensate online participants who lost funds during the attack against Ronin Systems. According to the analysis conducted by PeckShield Inc., a blockchain security and data analytics company, the hacker's main address, which I will not read out loud since it is very long, contained a negligent amount of Ethereum that acted as a fee for the later transactions to multiple wallets on centralized exchanges. Later, the attacker transferred the funds to multiple unknown wallets. They used to uh, send roughly 1,220 ETH to an account on FTX, 3,750 ETH to three Huabois, uh, uh, Addresses and one ETH <laughs> to a crypto.com wallet. However, most of the funds are still remaining at the hacker's main address. And here's Peck Shields tweet regarding, actually, two have two, of, two tweets. Uh, mistrackers on chain analysis revealed that the hacker had gradually converted 25.5 million USDC to ETH since March 23rd, but only until March 28th at 2:30 30, uh, 38. I'm guessing that's in the morning, did they begin to move the funds to different addresses. As of March 30th, there was a total of a 180 ETH sitting in four wallets under the attacker's control. To support the investigation of the incident, Binance blocked addresses by the potential hacker and had suspended all deposits and withdrawals on the Ronin network since March 29th. That was yesterday. The, uh, well, I guess it's yesterday for us, but everyone else, it's two days ago. Uh, the company also announced that withdrawals of wrapped ETH or WETH, WETH, <laughs> on the Ethereum network and uh, the covert, pardon me, the convert function of WETH to ETH are being paused. Alexander Larson, the COO of Axie Infinity, tweeted that the internal network is currently going through a deep forensics review to ensure that there is no lingering threat. He also admitted that it was a social engineering attack combined with a human error from December of 2021 that led to this incident. And here is his com- his commentary on that in his tweet format there as reported by crypto potato yesterday so since 5 out of the 9 validator nodes on the ronin chain are required to initiate a deposit or a withdrawal the perpetrator may have managed to con- get control over uh, sky mavis's four ronin validators and a third party validator run by axie Dow. the attacker was reportedly completed uh, by locating i uh, the attacker was reportedly completed by locating a backdoor oh uh, through Ronan's gas-free RPC node, which was used to compromise the Axie DAO validator node. Currently, the validator threshold for withdrawals has been raised to eight of the nine for strengthening the network security. Yeah, I hate to say it, but uh, it's not that there wasn't there weren't security protocols in place, but when it comes to Uh, some people are willing to go to any length because we're talking about $600 million. I literally have only ever seen in person $1 million. So yeah, Um, when I sold my house, I got to see a a million dollars. (laughs) I know you're probably thinking, wow, you sold your house for a million dollars. Yes, I used to live in Silicon Valley, Houses are worth a million dollars, even microscopic shoebox-sized houses, which mine was. So um, yeah, I've I've seen a million dollars one time, and I hope I get to see it again, even if it's in the form of Bitcoin. So I I really feel bad, but I also don't feel bad because these hacks are meant to teach other people to not screw up. So if you think you're safe, you're not. And you should absolutely try to make sure that you can shore up your current security as best as possible. And don't do bridging. Don't do bridging. So, uh, you want to read the Indian MP? Yeah.
1: Yes. So, Indian MP. Bad crypto regulations will cause innovation exodus. And this is written by Shayanika Decca. As declared by Union Budget 2022-2023, Indian cryptocurrency investors will have to pay tax under the new scheme for taxation of virtual virtual digital assets from April 1st. However, the current tax uh, reduction regime is expected to trigger a mass exodus of talent from the country which faces the risk of missing out on web 3.0 innovation says pre priyanka Chaturvedi. yeah i'm
0: sorry if you're a member
1: (laughs) the names are yeah (laughs) yeah A member of parliament during the parliamentary proceedings, we're just going to say Priyanka said the failure to understand the cryptocurrency industry and Web3, its employment generation capacity and several other aspects has led the Indian government to impose high taxation while regulation still hangs in limbo. Championing the creation of a regulatory framework, the minister stated, quote, we are living in the world of Web 3.0. Either we choose to bite the bullet or we dodge the bullet, end quote. <laughs> Last week, India's lower house of parliament, the Lok Sabha, passed the much-anticipated 2022 finance bill. The high tax bracket is a major cause of concern for many novice and small trade traders. Proposed by Finance Minister Nirmala Sitharaman, the bill included an amendment on crypto that sought to impose a 30% tax targeting digital assets and NFT transactions equivalent to the tax imposed on gambling and lottery tickets. Meanwhile, there was no provisions for deductions from trading losses while calculating income. Indian taxpayers will have an additional 1% tax deducted at source or TDS. Many experts believe that 1% TDS on each digital asset transfer would eventually dry up liquidity on cryptocurrency exchanges and cause red tapism. The largest comments by Priyanka came just a few days after Sashil Kumar Mahdi, a member of parliament, from the ruling B. JP party urged the government to consider increasing the capital gains tax on crypto income. He said individuals earning Bitcoin will not get affected by a thirty percent tax since its compounded annual growth growth rate or CAGR is while that of Ethereum is thirty percent.
0: Yeah, this is um it's, it's good to see how other countries are gonna handle taxation when it comes to coins. And I think they're trying to head it off at the past by taxing people when they buy instead of when they sell. Um, assuming you, you buy, I mean, it's, I would say there's a, a reason I don't tend to buy coin, I tend to just mine it. Um, and they didn't really address that, but they're, they're trying to stop this before it gets out of hand, by you know, stopping it before it goes into that format. Um, but I think they're right. But this comment that red tapeism um, is that if you continue to just tape everything up with all this bureaucracy, you're gonna make it worthless. You're gonna say no one's gonna to want to even bother. Maybe that's their intent. But uh, the as it says Indian taxpayers will will have an additional one percent tax deducted at the source or TDS. Many experts believe that this one percent will uh, eventually dry up the liquidity on the cryptocurrency ex- uh, exchanges and cause tapeism, So no one will want to do it, because it will just be too, too difficult to do. And like I said, that may be the point. Um, I think that India may or may not really understand, or at least the government, and I think this is true of almost every government, except for the ones who have fully embraced uh, cryptocurrency, like El Salvador, um, that don't really understand the validity and the value. But the other thing is, there's... I think the U.S. is an example. U.S. and Britain and possibly Germany are examples of countries that have ridiculously complicated the um, investment market in order to avoid taxes in general. Cryptocurrency is an answer to the old guard, you know what what's been going on for the last three hundred years, um, and, and a way to get away from paying directly things that you don't particularly like. Um, it is a way to skirt the regulations. And, well, it just seems like almost every single product outside of just direct stock exchange trading is an attempt to skirt all the rules and regulations that have already been created. <laughs> so, is it any surprise? Yeah. Not really. Um, no. It's, it's. I don't want to go into too much detail on this, but I do I want to say that one of the things that I've, found as I've gotten older is I wish there was better um management. But I mean, what is the management but the people we elect, right? If we're not electing the good people, we should elect better people. But there is a challenge in doing that because you have to get everybody to agree to elect better people. And sometimes people just vote for the incumbent because it's easier. It's not better, it's easier. And so what is the crypto is literally an answer to the well We can't do it the traditional way, let's do it a different way. (laughs) We'll just make something new over here. And well, we'll see where this goes. I still believe crypto isn't just for money, but at least on the money side, it can be much more fluid than the old guard methodology of transferring funds. Something, I'm not gonna go, if I keep talking about it, I'm gonna rant about this all day, let's just move on. Visa unveils program to help creators interested in building businesses with NFTs. This is also by Dika Deka. Visa announced has announced the launch of a new initiative dubbed the Visa Creator Program to support the growth of the Maverick NFT industry. With the new initiative, the Digital Payments Leader aims to help a global cohort of creators interested in building their business with non-fungible tokens. According to the official blog post, Visa Creator Program uh, aims to help digital-first artists, musicians, fashion designers, and filmmakers advance their small businesses through NFTs. With each cycle, Visa plans to support a select group of entrepreneurs via the new initiative to educate them on the technology and platforms that form the basis of NFT commerce. Uh, Kai, I'm guessing it's Kai Sheffield... Head of crypto at Visa commented, NFTs have the potential to become a powerful accelerator for the the creator economy. We've been studying the NFT ecosystem and its potential impacts on the future of commerce, retail, and social media. Through the Visa Creator program, we want to help this new breed of small and micro businesses tap into the new mediums for digital commerce. And Visa being such a big money company, it kind of makes sense and a lot of people know them. The initiative will target entrepreneurs working in art, music, fashion, and film looking to incorporate into NFTs into their business model. These include both in, uh, novices, individuals who may have just minted their first non-fungible token, or experienced ones having <laughs> many successful drops under their belt. It will offer creators technical and product mentorship, community building, access to thought leaders, expose, uh, me, exposure to Visa's clients and partners and a one-time stipend to help them kickstart the next phase of growth. Visa dipped its toes in the NFT industry when it purchased a CryptoPunk NFT worth 49.5 ETH, which in August last year was valued at about $160,000. According to Sheffield, the acquisition of CryptoPunk 7610 was made to understand the, quote, infrastructure requirements for a global brand to purchase store, and leverage an NFT, end quote, firsthand before facilitating the participation of Visa's clients and partners. Two months later, the company announced teaming up with NFT artist Micah Johnson to set up a program to help program uh, me, creators explore the industry better and leverage various public blockchain networks to develop and sell their digital works. The U.S. multinational financial behemoth, <laughs> it's a great name for Visa, isn't it? revealed that it intends to provide a connection between creators and its network of payment partners in a way that would benefit the former and help amplify the reach of their audiences and accelerate business growth. I feel like that's a bunch of just keywords in there, but not necessarily any substance. We'll have to see where Visa actually goes with this. Um, I do appreciate, personally, this big company at least claiming that they want to help people I think they'd rather just make money, but I think it—it yeah. it is still a new enough market that even though their interest may be in making money, they're kind of doing this lost leader thing where they're like, you know, we should figure out how this works so that we can solidify ourselves as the go-to place for people who want to do NFT stuff. And then we'll be the shoe in when people are like, oh, well, you know, Visa, they're that big company. Yeah, they do NFTs too. And people are like, oh, great. We'll just use Visa because it's easier. So,
1: Yeah. That's what I see it as.
0: (laughs) It is a push
1: for money. Uh, Continuing on with the U.S. Deputy Treasury Secretary. U.S. Deputy Treasury Secretary warns crypto exchanges against helping Russia evade sanctions. Wally Ademo... Adio! A de- I can't
0: even a
1: pronounce. A demo? A demo? I think it's a
0: demo.
1: Uh, but yeah. A demo. Yeah. <laughs> the 15th United States Deputy Secretary of the Treasury warned cryptocurrency exchanges and monetary institutions not to aid Russia to bypass financial pen- penalties. He asserted that the American authorities will detect and punish those that do not abide by this request. The U.S. authorities will hold accountable every sector that tries to help Russia evade financial sanctions imposed on the country after Vladimir Putin's launch of his special military operation on Ukraine. This is what Deputy U.S. Treasury Secretary, we're just going to say Wally, said in a recent interview with CNBC, what we want to make very clear to crypto exchanges, to financial institutions, to individuals, to anyone who makes a maybe in a position to help Russia take advantage and evade our sanctions We will hold you accountable, Mm -hmm. end quote. Strong words. Yeah. The 40-year-old government official believes that Russia has not been able to bypass the monetary penalties via crypto trading venues or other financial firms so far. However, he assumed that the largest nation by landmass will keep trying and... Quote, "use every means possible," end quote. digital asset platforms and all other businesses should know that they cannot escape the scope of response of the responsible agencies, uh, Wally alerted. Quote, "We will come and we will find you and we will ensure that Russia does not have the ability to get around the sanctions that we have put in place in order to make it harder for them to uh, prosecute the illegitimate war that they have in Ukraine, end quote. Last week, Christine Lagarde, the president of the European Central Bank issued a similar warning she asserted that crypto companies helping Russia bypass sanctions will face enhanced scrutiny. The Treasury, which manages all federal finances, has experience with penalizing cryptocurrency exchanges. In September last year, it sanctioned Suex, a Czech Republic-based trading venue. Back then, a I can't even pronounce his last name. That's difficult. Wally alleged the company of facilitating operations involving, quote, illicit proceeds from at least eight ransomware variants, end quote. Additionally, he said 40% of the exchanges known to known transactions history is linked to criminals. The official further revealed that penalizing Suex was the first such action by the office of foreign assets control against a digital asset trading volume in his view exchanges of this kind quote are critical to attackers ability to extract profits end quote following the accusations the u.s treasury department prohibited suex from doing business with u.s organizations
0: I think it's Adyemo. I, I looked it up. Um, oh, Adayamo. Wally Um I think that makes more sense to me now. Now that I've had, yeah. had to shuffle ten to <laughs> pronounce it in my head, but uh, yeah, I, I can see why he's so adamant about this. Uh, we're trying to make sure that no one, you know, helps Russia because we're trying to squeeze them as hard as we can without actually physically attacking them, um, and really. I, I remember sanctions being talked about when I was a kid, uh, when we had the uh, war in Iraq in the early 90s, um, because it was something that, it was, it didn't really make sense to me as a child, I, you know, I was a teenager, early tween, tweens kind of age at the time, and I didn't really just follow what was meant, like why, why, what sanctions mean, you know, and at the time, it, no such thing as social media, the internet was very much in its infancy, so uh, getting information and getting explanation wasn't really something that many people could do. So, um, the, and just not as many people just knew this stuff. Uh, but the thing I, I find is that the sanctions really are a new format for, for warfare. And it, it does have a human toll, but it doesn't have the same kind of human toll. So yes, you're gonna starve people out in effect by, by putting sanctions on their country because they won't be able to do anything except what they can do in their own country. But the it, sanctions have taken on a whole different format in this new world that we, ex- we currently exist in, because the world is so much more dependent upon everyone else. We're not just independent states anymore, independent nations anymore. We are a world, effectively world nation, in a sense. Um, and yet, even though we may have world government, uh, although, you know, the UN is kind of that, um, we, we don't, uh, we still don't act quite like it. I mean... I guess if we use like the United States as an example, does California war with Georgia or with uh, you know Idaho or or you know Oklahoma or something? Not really, because we're quote the United States, but we definitely have our own rules and our own laws. I mean, Texas is very different than pretty much everybody else. Uh, Alaska is very different, but it's also really far away. Um, they they also, it's also very cold up there, so they have just kind of different ways of living. Um, but it would be kind of weird if. Illinois decided to attack Ohio. I think they lose, but um, <laughs> if they did, that you know the U.S. government would be like, "No, you can't do that." You know, and this is kind of what we see the United Nations do. But at least as far as this pertains to this, this trying to stop uh, U.S. entities from helping Russia via crypto. I get that. You know, Russia's got money, maybe not a lot of it, but they do have money, and people want that money, so. Sucks for Russia. Maybe they should stop attacking people. (laughs) Continuing on. Martin Young writes, MetaMask allows iPhone users to buy crypto with Apple Pay. Now, I will state up front that I'm no no fan of Apple, but I believe in this idea. On March 29th, MetaMask announced a raft of updates to its mobile version 4.3.1, and the most significant was Apple Pay integration. The catch is that Apple does not directly support crypto payments through its own platform, so it has to be done via WIRE, W-Y-R-E, which does does support crypto and integrates with Apple Pay. Users can now, now also buy crypto with their debit or credit cards, eliminating the need to send ETH to the app in advance. Apple Pay users can deposit a maximum daily amount of $400 into their wallet using their Visa or MasterCard, and then wire API. And here's a tweet from MetaMask regarding that. MetaMask also uses Transac Payments platform to allow users to buy crypto with their credit card, credit or debit cards. However, those wishing to use either payment platforms must complete the KYC, otherwise know your customer process, where they ask you where you live and if you're a real person. Using MetaMask on layer one does also incur gas fees, however, even though the firm says it does not profit from them. Manamask also has its own fees, which are about 0.875% of the transaction, so not quite 1%. One of the other updates was support for gasless transactions, which is when private blockchains or project or protocol, or a project or a protocol rather, pay for the gas on the user's behalf. On March 15th, CryptoPotato Potato reported that MetaMask surpassed 30 million monthly active users, making it the one of the most popular crypto wallets available today. The news also revealed a $450 million fundraising round for ConsenSys, the Ethereum solutions firm behind the wallet. March 16th, ConsenSys CEO Joseph Lubin announced that MetaMask will be launching its own token and its own DAO. There was very little info on the token, but long-term MetaMask users... be hoping for an airdrop similar to uniswap's airdrop being one of the top wallets for crypto trading makes metamask a target for hackers and scammers cyber security firm eset has recently revealed an elaborate scheme to distribute fake wallet apps to android and apple mobile devices the research stated that the scheme has been going on since may 2021 the fake wallets Apps for MetaMask, Coinbase, Jacks, and Trust Wallet have been disseminated on social media groups on Facebook to target Chinese users. Several of them even made it onto the Google Play Store, but tech giant removed them back in January. Thank goodness, thank you Google for taking that crap out of there. So yeah, uh, I guess now you can buy and sell things without having to really do an Ethereum transaction uh, via Apple Pay if you wanna buy with crypto. Great! Woohoo! I personally,
1: I'm an iPhone.
0: I personally use <laughs> MetaMask. I've been using MetaMask for a very long time, and I personally like it just fine. Even though I'm not an iPhone user, I'm not gonna not gonna ding uh, Apple Pay for this. Although my my main grout gripe is that whenever I go to do tap to pay, people are like, "Oh, Apple Pay." I'm like, "Uh, whatever. <laughs> it's not Apple Pay. It's tap to pay." It just happens to be that a lot of people use it with their iPhone. <laughs> so. Yes.
1: I, for one, am an iPhone user, so I am excited about this.
0: Well, I'm a MetaMask user, so I'm excited about it, even though I don't use Apple Pay. So, <laughs>
1: um,
0: So continuing on with the last article of the night. you want me to read that or do you want me to read it?
1: Oh, I thought that was
0: the last one. Well, it was with the U.S. lawmakers eCash cash thing.
1: Oh, if you want to read it, you can. I'll do it. I'll go ahead. Okay.
0: (laughs) So from Jose Aramas, the U.S. lawmakers passed e-cash bill that replicates physical money, leaving aside the Fed. This is kind of interesting, I think. A group of U.S. lawmakers introduced this Monday the e-cash act, a bill directed to the U.S. Treasury Department to encourage the entity to develop a digital version of the dollar. (gasps) Are they going to do a, a a, a CBDC? I think this is the idea. I still don't think it's going to happen for a while, though. But let's continue on. Democratic Representative Stephen Lynch is the principal sponsor of the eCash Act, a legislative proposal passed to the House of Representatives. As per the bill, the U.S. Treasury Department was selected as the most appropriate government entity to develop the pilot program for the eCash instead of the Federal Reserve, the U.S. central bank, so technically wouldn't be a central bank digital currency. Oh well, that's fine. E-cash is intended to complement and be developed in parallel to other forms of digital public finance, including CBDC's Fed account, postal banking, and public banking. In essence, E-cash would be a bearer instrument that replicates the same functionalities of the physical dollar in the largest extent possible. According to Representative Stephen Lynch, the main idea of E-cash system is to Promote greater financial inclusion for low-income U.S. citizens who can afford the minimum threshold to fund a bank account, besides maximizing customer protection, or rather consumer protection, and data privacy. The proposal suggests settling a new way of transacting digital dollars that would differ from CBDCs, which are based on the digital ledger tools that record the transaction data from the sender and the receiver. ECash wouldn't be built on built you write, using distributed ledger technology, DLT, such as a blockchain. Instead, the digital dollar would operate under new hardware issued and managed by the U.S. Treasury. The bill calls for the entity to design and experiment with eCash devices. They can take the form of a secure clip on their cell phones or a new payment card that would allow users to send eCash balances offline and anonymously. Under the system reads the bill funds can be verified via a dedicated or trusted computing environment located on the device itself. Being a bearer instrument means that in contrast to account-based systems, so if someone loses a device in in which their eCash balance is held, they lose their funds as well, same as losing a wallet with money in it. An e-cash transaction works by transferring an e-cash balance, which is a unique digital representation of value issued and verified by the government from one secure hardware device to another. The development of the e-cash system might be propelled by a rapid growth of digital money globally. One of the examples of e-cash devices cited by the bill is a payments card issued by the Chinese government. Boo! As as part of the digital yuan rollout. Uh, the, in which citizens can make offline payments. In light of the uh, above, a few weeks ago, Crypto Potato reported that the digital yuan could uh, challenge the dominance of the U.S. Dollar, interna- dollar internationally, as said by Richard Turin, a financial technology consultant at CNBC. He stated, China is ahead in all financial technology by a decade while China is openly hostile to crypto assets and crypto-related companies, it has intensively worked on the development of its national CBDC. As Crypto Potato also reported, the People's Bank of China recently launched a pilot version of its digital One wallet application for iOS and Android users, meaning everyone in the world can use it, just like QQ. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Obviously, China wants everybody to use digital yuan. Uh, and that's because they monitor everything they do. And, of course, the U.S. would like the U.S. people to use their digital interface because, of course, that would allow more monitoring there as well. I can see the U.S. implementing and making this a real thing and making it actually work. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a great idea, but it is, like they say, CBDC-like and kind of probably puts the control... More on the level that the U.S. would prefer to have, so I'm not surprised by it. I'm kind of grateful, in a sense, that they're doing it. And yes, I think the government can handle it just fine. Um, I think they're kind of showing, selling themselves short by not doing a CBDC. Um, but who said the government was smart?
1: So. Exactly. So I just uh, think it's uh, I just think it's interesting that they can take the form of a secured chip on their cell phone. So in a sense, I guess we're going back to changing our SIM cards out. And it says, or a new payment card, which I get that. But why can't we go to like, I don't know. I just see it envisioning like, you know, the old pagers. Yeah. I could see a more complex version of that. <laughs>
0: Um, one of the things that still weirds me out today is, is, for one, the number of people in the United States who don't have Internet. And two, the number of yeah. people in the United States who don't even have a computer, not even a smartphone, not even, in some cases, a dumb phone or a feature phone, and the, the otherwise term for it. But also the number of people in the United States who don't have a bank account. It yeah. blew me away when I found this. Like you live cash to cash all day, every day you have, you don't have a bank account and people are like, yeah, I don't have a bank. How did you do that? Oh, I only cash my check when I get it, man, you must be the ones holding us back. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. <laughs> but in some cases it just has to do with the fact that, and I know this for, for a fact that some of the people who are in the United States are not legal citizens. And so they do the cash into the table method because they're not allowed to be here. Technically. Um, and they're also scared of getting deported, which I can understand. Um, it, you know, Being in a country illegally, even if it does have a lot of benefits, is amazing. I guess the, the story that goes along that, with that was when I worked for Maxim Integrated years ago, um, one of the guys that worked in the, in the lunchroom, who was a great cook, and he'd been in the U.S. for 22 years, was not legal. He'd actually been in the U.S. long enough to have become a legal citizen, but had never been a legal citizen. He had had an entire family. His son was literally 22 years old. (laughs) Uh, And um, when he got in, oh, is it no, his son, and he, I think, yeah, his son, he actually saw a murder take place. And because, of course, his son was, was born in the U.S., his son was like, well, we should report it. And he's like, no, 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 we we shouldn't, we shouldn't report it. No, 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 no. Please, 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 don't report it. <laughs> and The son's like, look, Dad, you're you're a, a Catholic. You should definitely do this. And so, of course, his dad didn't. My friend, who's a you know illegal citizen, um, but the son did. And of course, when he did that, they found out that his dad was not a legal citizen, and his dad was deported.
1: Oh. So, oh. Um,
0: now, fortunately, his dad had still had family in Mexico, but um, it was. It was just like, you know, this is why people don't have bank accounts, because they are here illegally, yeah. and they it's far better than the way where they were. And I don't disagree with that. It is even with the, the issues that this country deals with, it's still better than the terrorism that goes on daily in some countries. And I'm not just saying Mexico, although Mexico is one of those. Um, it, it it's. It, <sighs> The only thing I can compare it to because, at, and I, I, I'm, I'm rambling on here, but it was a discussion I had recently with my wife, um, was that the, as a, as a <laughs> I'm giving more information away here, as a tall white male, <laughs> I have white privilege that I don't necessarily recognize. As in, I get the privileges, but I'm not you know, like conscious of them. But I'm making a contrast between being a white male and being a white female. White females also get certain privileges that they may not always be aware of compared to a person who's not white. Um, and the, the point I'm making is that I don't, have to, I don't experience those issues. I don't, as a white male, I can go out at night by myself and walk on the city streets and not worry, for the most part, depending upon where it is, about being accosted. I don't have to worry about my safety, I don't have to worry about being raped. It's not likely to happen. A woman may not be able to and probably isn't able to do that almost anywhere. And a woman would have to think about those things. That's the only comparison I can make between that and a person who's a a foreign national living in this country illegally versus where they came from. Whereas a, a male adult in a rural section, particularly where cartels are prevalent cannot live a normal life at all, ever. for fear of reprisal, for fear of being killed, for, bill- for fear of being you know, having all your money taken from you at any time. The fear is constant, probably somewhat worse than for a female. I mean you know, if it's a female on the street by herself, but I mean a female in her home is probably not as worried as someone out on the street, you know in, in public. But if your entire life was centered around that kind of fear, like constant fear of just you know your life ending or someone coming and taking everything you have, um, that's the kind of thing a person would be coming to this country to escape. Even though, as an illegal citizen, they wouldn't be able, you know, they still wouldn't have certain privileges. So, what I'm basically trying to get at with this this analogy to all that backstory is that people don't have accounts because of those fears, but this e-cash system seems to try to supplant that problem. Obviously, they're not going to get illegal aliens, but um, people who just haven't decided to get a bank account yet, uh, this might be a digital way for them to interact without having to worry about carrying around physical green folding paper in their wallet anymore. Although I still personally think that they're not going to want to give it up because it's still easier to work with. It's not traceable, right? How do you trace a dollar? You don't. <laughs> Unless it's got, um, you know, that that invisible ink on it that gets on your hands. So and they use on bank heists. So sorry to like backstory and everything, but <laughs> uh, there's a reason why people don't use bank accounts and that's one of the major reasons I've discovered. So God, this country is really easy to live in when you come from a hellscape. Um anyways, on that note let me just finish up by saying, if you've made it this far in the episode, we thank you very much. If you'd like to give us a thumbs up for having uh, made a, an awesome show today, we appreciate it. Thumbs up on, uh, or a like on YouTube, or any other platform for which you are listening or watching our show, we appreciate it. You can also subscribe if you like, and uh, hit the uh, notification bell, particularly those of you on YouTube, and get get the uh, the podcast on a regular basis. You can also support us, uh, or you can check us out on Discord, as well as Twitter. I keep forgetting to mention Twitter. Uh, Alyssa is on Twitter a lot. She manages us, the C3 Media channel on Twitter. Uh, You can also get us on Discord, as well as contribute, helping us on Patreon, or through uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Binance, Bat, Raven coins. With that said, anything else you got to say before we depart here, Alyssa?
1: No. Have
0: a good week. See you Sunday. Yep. See everybody on Sunday. Actually, you're going to be out of town, aren't you? You're going. You're going uh, to the Bitcoin conference, right?
1: Uh, yes. But Sunday, my best friend since like kindergarten is having her gender reveal, and so we do that, and then so I won't be here, and then I fly out on uh, with my husband on Wednesday mm-hmm. for Miami, which cool. I'm totally looking forward to. But I'm not looking forward to the heat because it's supposed to be like 85 with like yeah,
0: and humid, 60. Yep. Yeah,
1: and I live in 110 during the summer, but it's dry heat. Right. I don't yep. do well with humidity, so we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, you may be inside <laughs> most of the time, hopefully. Um, yeah. You know, Air-conditioned air conditioned building inside in the, in the, uh, the forum or, or whatever the venue is. But, yeah, so you're going to be having fun. If anyone else is interested and uh, is in Miami for next week, uh, you can check, You can meet, if you'd like to, meet uh, Alyssa and her husband. Uh, uh, she'll be representing C3 Media when she's down there and checking out uh, Bitcoin Conference. So, yeah, that's happening. I'm really excited that you guys get to go do that because it's not a cheap conference, uh, almost $1,000 to go. Anyways, uh, with that said, let me see if I can actually pull this off the way I expect to be able to do it. Minimize everything over here. Okay. And I will say uh, that, um, as John always says, right before the end of the show, stack, sats, and hodl. Adios.